Baltimore Ravens select Lamar Jackson, quarterback, Louisville. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Bank, the official podcast of at the Ravens Hub on Instagram. You can find our podcast on Anchor, which will direct you to all the different ways to listen through our podcast, through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Be sure to follow at Inside the Bank Pod on Instagram for updates and exclusive content regarding the podcast. I'm your host, Justin, of at the Ravens Hub, joined by my fellow co-hosts, Stephen and Andrew. Today, we'll be going over all three major bowls that have, ha- that have happened and will happen. The Senior Bowl, Pro Bowl, and the Super Bowl. Uh, but to start out, we're gonna we're gonna go with the Senior Bowl because we saw a lot of good and a lot of uh, concerning things from the Senior Bowl, which we didn't even think would happen because of COVID. But thankfully, it happened. Uh, we were treated to uh, some pretty good practice reps and a little bit more insight on some of these uh, prospects that the Ravens might take. Uh, so since Steven seems like the most knowledgeable one in the room about this stuff, I'll let him kind of dictate the conversation from here for the senior bowl. So take it away. What, what were some, uh, prospects that you liked? Well, I focus a lot on receivers cause that seems to be a very huge need for the Ravens this year. So I want to span it out to everyone here. I want to talk first about Shai Smith, who I had ranked two in my top three. Uh, personally, he's a little small, so we'd have to play slot. But honestly, that's kind of the way our offense functions, and that's kind of the way the NFL is going. Like, you see, oh, you can just chuck it up. Julio's got to be down there somewhere. D-Hop's down there somewhere. But a lot of that, the NFL is moving away from that. And if you think those guys are successful just because they're huge, first of all, you got to change the perspective on my receivers as a whole. But getting back to Shai Smith, um, he's very smooth off his routes, and he's got, a, he's got a really quick release, really quick and polished release. And that's what makes him pretty decent in my eyes. Um, and he makes some crazy circus catches on his own so i don't know what do you guys think of shy smith i open up to you guys um yeah i was watching some of this tape and let me just say before uh i start talking this is the first time i've really watched tape of a player uh before i usually would just watch the game film or, or the game highlights to watch a player so it was really interesting uh going in and watching these one-on-ones uh i would recommend it if you haven't already it's actually a pretty cool experience especially when we're talking about shy smith something i noticed is that he had a great first step uh with getting out of the route really early on and beating his man um like you said steven he's a little small so he'll probably have to play at the slot but that's probably what the ravens are going to need if uh the ravens let really sneed walk he was their designated slot guy um and I saw that he made a few great adjustments on the ball thrown. Uh, some of the balls thrown his way weren't really the, the prettiest, but he was able to kind of square his feet and uh, make a great play in the ball. His body type kind of looks like Devin Duvernay just from the quick um, few highlights I just watched. But yeah, he looks yeah he looks small. Um, he, yeah, he's kind of like a Devin Duvernay where we need to use him in the slot. Um, I'm not sure how fast he is, but. All right, well, let's move on from Smith. I want to go to my number one prospect, Kadarius Tony, otherwise known as the Joker. So first of all, we got two Jokers on our team, one offense, one defense. It sounds pretty good to me, but he's a freak athlete, in my opinion. He 
you hear Keenan Allen talk. He had a couple of interviews, and him and Doug Baldwin said the same thing. They break off the line kind of like a basketball player, like Allen Iverson. They cross over the defender. You watch Kadarius Tony; He does the same thing. I mean, he shakes guys out of his routes. He gets so much separation. But at the same time, he got a little flack because you see a highlight. He shook the guy out of his shoes at the senior bowl, and then he dropped it. But I want to look back on his season. He had 84 targets this year and only two drops. So if you want to say no to Tony based off one highlight where the ball was really underthrown anyway, we got to change the perspective there. Um, I mean, he's always taking advantage of the DB's leverage. He'll get you to bite inside and take advantage of it. So Tony's my favorite prospect. I'm curious what you guys think. Yeah, I was I was watching I, I was watching his tape and I remember I was I was scrolling on Instagram the other day and I, I saw that uh great route that he ran. I was like, oh my god, there's no freaking way he 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 made his guy just look completely silly. He just made him like fly somewhere else and then he dropped the ball, which I I I noticed that through some some of the uh uh he had a couple drops or so in the um senior bowl practices. Uh, but like you said, Stephen, uh, you didn't really see that on the field uh, in a game situation. I I think I would just chalk that up to maybe a little bit of nerves. Um, this is a different quarterback throwing to him than Trask. Um, you know, it, it's it's. Uh, I I think it's just a lot of different circumstances that led to maybe um, not a great showing of catching the football. Um, but he's a prospect and that's stuff like that you can work on. And if you only dropped two balls last season, then I just say, you know, I, I totally go for it. Um, but kind of going more into it with that route running. Um, I don't think I've ever seen like a better route running uh, from a one-on-one he's it's uncanny how great he can just get off the line and play off of that defensive backs leverage. Um, I, I was I was watching him play too, and I was like, I, I decided to look up his height, and I noticed that he was only six foot. I think he plays so much bigger than you know, like he actually is, um, and I think it has a lot to do with he, he's kind of like this master of using the defensive backs kind of aggressiveness or leverage against him to get into that open spot to that sweet spot where the quarterback can throw it right into his uh, hands and know that he'll come down with it. So I'm going to jump in real quick before you go, Andrew. I want to ask you guys a quick question. Who's the most dominant offense in the league right now? Kansas City. And do they use Tyreek Hill or their playmakers out of the backfield or in all different creative types of formations? The they time. sure do. Well, Kadarius Tony played a his fair share of wide receiver, and he played out of the backfield versus everything last year. I don't know about you, the guy I watched have my own last year coming out of the draft who played both in the backfield and out wide was Antonio Gibson. And he had a pretty solid first year. So, I mean, maybe he could translate kind of like Gibson. I don't know, Andrew, what do you think? He's got silky smooth routes. And, yeah, for that, those, like, drops at the the one-on-one reps, I wouldn't worry about them too much. I think when you're at the senior bowl and you're focused on – and you're a receiver focused on the one-on-one reps, I think you're – more more focus on the route and everything because I think that's the most what you're proving. I feel like with uh wide receivers, especially at the senior bowl, um if they start dropping balls um at a senior bowl and you don't see that at all 
in their college career, I don't think that really says a lot. And I don't think any NFL team is really concerned that this is happening now. The only reason when drops would start to become an issue for um, scouting departments is if it's consistent. Is if they've consistently shown um, a lack of adjustment on the ball, a, a lack of you know being able to bring it down. They can do all the flashy routes that they want, but if they can't come down with the football every time it's thrown to them, then what good is it? Um, but so, with, with with yeah with Tony, I don't see that as an issue. It's only happened uh, this a, a few days in practice. Uh, it's nothing to worry about. So I want to come back and talk about drops and negatives with receivers. I want to talk about Sage Sherratt, who is, in my opinion, unfortunately, one of the guys who DaCosta said they're keeping an eye on. Hopefully it's a smokescreen. In my opinion, he's just a big he, lumbery guy who moves so slow. He, he's slow out of his routes. He lumbers down the field. I saw a couple of drops. Now, granted, I haven't seen enough of his college tape or looked up stats to really be able to make a concise decision about that. But he moves slow. He's too big, and he even had a he had a little injury, tweaked his ankle. You can't blame him for that. That just, it happens. It's football, but he's not my favorite, in my opinion. Did you guys see anything about Surratt? Um, I can't say that I have seen much of Surratt. Um, I do. I've seen a lot of hype around him. Um, you did. You mentioned earlier that. You know, the, the league is kind of going away from like these really big targets and you just haul it deep and hope that they're down there somewhere. You've got to have these kind of shifty, speedy guys um, that can really make a defense miss and um, attack with speed. Um, Sage Stroud is like the complete opposite of uh, trying to attack uh, downfield with speed. Um, so, but I, I couldn't really tell you much more about Surratt. Um, I hope he has a, a pretty good NFL career, but from the looks of it right now, it doesn't look like uh, teams would probably value Surratt as a lot of other scouts would. All right, so I'm going to switch sides of the ball here. This is something you guys were much more adamant about in our previous podcast, not as much me, but pass rushers. I'm going to open up the pass rushers to you, Justin and Andrew, let you guys take control of that one. Uh, yeah, so I was kind of – I was – I was watching uh, some of these edge rushers. Uh, this is a pretty edge rusher rich class. Uh, there's a lot of talent in this class. Um, a guy that immediately kind of pops out to me uh, was Quincy Roche. Um, I saw a one-on-one against Alex Leatherwood where he just, he just came off the snap looking unbelievably fast. Um, he's a little bit undersized as an edge rusher. Um this isn't really part of the senior bowl, but I did uh, notice that um, this this kind of light frame allows him to kind of drop back into coverage maybe a few times. Uh, that's something the Ravens obviously got to keep an eye on because you got Matthew Judon, who's um, uh, scheduled to be a free agent. So I, I think Roche would be a pretty good uh, replacement, I suppose, for Judon. Um but I did see a, a few, a lot of, a lot of quick kind of coming off using his speed instead of his size to get around offensive tackles. Do you see anything uh, of importance, Andrew, or you want to move on to another edge rusher? Yeah, no, I think it's, I think his speed is, um, is is what makes his game so uh, like hard to stop. But also, yeah, I think he could be a, a good scheme fit for Wink's system, replacing uh, possibly Judon. So. So I'm going to go to a more 
controversial prospect. A lot, a lot of times this year we're getting a lot of first round hype, a lot more hype than I think you guys think it deserves. How about Marvin Wilson? Well, he had that spectacular 2019, and he looked really, really good. And he was probably going to be another like Derek Brown type early round pick. And then something happened in 2020. I think a lot of people are speculating that it was maybe an injury, and um. That he did have to uh, leave the Pro Bowl or not Pro Bowl, I'm sorry, Senior Bowl, uh, because of a, of a knee injury. Um, only after the first day of practice, and it, I mean, he looked he looked pretty decent. He had a few wins. He had a few uh, not so great, um, you know, uh, rushes against the quarterback. So, I think it's really hard to evaluate Marvin Wilson right now. Um, because you don't really know if that really was an, an injury maybe stunning his performance or 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 if it was just maybe just a general lack of skill, um, a huge drop-off in 2020. Uh, I mean, if he's around in the mid-rounds, like I'm talking, I don't know if he's going to drop that far. I wouldn't say it's far-fetched to see him drop to the third or fourth round. I really wouldn't be surprised or upset to see the Ravens maybe take a chance on Wilson. Um, especially considering you got to get younger on this defensive line. Uh, the Ravens defensive line, we're tied up in a lot of money right now with, and we're only going to have it for maybe a few more years. You got uh, Calais uh, on his last legs. Uh, Derek Wolf's a free agent uh, this off season. Um, Brandon Williams is getting older and his cap is getting uh, bigger, um, becoming more of a, of a cap liability. I mean, we do have um, Justin Matabeek, and I think he showed some excellent um, tape for the time that he was given on the field. But if you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, I say draft Marvin Wilson uh, if he falls to you in the a, in a later rounds. Yeah, definitely agree. He's like, he could be a good pick in the uh, the second, third, fourth round. Uh, if, if he drops that far, I don't think he will. But uh, yeah, he's he's pretty solid. Um, he'd be a good um, young guy to develop. Just hoping, just hope that um, his knee injury that took him out of the, the Senior Bowl doesn't linger on and affect him, and hopefully gets healthy. Healthy, but yeah, he, he wouldn't be a bad pick if he dropped to us in second, third round. I like that. I like that. So I know the past couple episodes we've been addressing the cornerback position. Do we need more depth there? Well, as we watch the wide receiver one-on-ones, we obviously also see the cornerbacks. Someone who stuck out to me who he was looking at going maybe like maybe third or fourth round, but he's climbing draft boards just because of his senior bowl performance. I am eyes on Thomas Graham from Oregon. He's, he's a small guy, granted, but as Justin referenced earlier with Tony, he plays bigger than he is. He's very physical, and that's very indicative of the Ravens' defense. And he, I think it'd be a great depth piece if we could get him. Do you guys have any notes on Graham or any other cornerbacks you're looking at? Uh, not really. I can't say I did uh, go into this uh, thinking about uh, cornerback, even though I've allocated it for the Ravens to consider taking a cornerback this draft. Um, I do think it would be wise for the Ravens to at least consider uh, some of these cornerback risers, especially at the Senior Bowl. The Ravens, I believe, have taken at least one player from the Senior Bowl. 
and almost every year that um, Ozzy and DaCosta have been general manager, uh, which is to say for the entire Ravens uh, existence. Uh, so they obviously do like looking at the senior bowl to evaluate talent, especially risers. I wouldn't be surprised if it's cornerback here, um, but I do think they should probably spend a little bit more time on uh, edge rushers or wide receivers. Go back to wide receivers real quick to just wrap up the senior bowl notes. I want to give everyone a couple names to just look out for. Um, Amari Rogers from Clemson, another small guy, but he's fearless. He kind of plays similar to Smith and his route running ability. Everyone keep your eyes on Frank Darby, from Arizona State. He, I've, I'm a little biased because I went back and watched highlights, and he he stepped up huge in the Oregon game last year, which is a huge upset. He plays a lot bigger than he is, and he's not scared of the moment. Uh, Tutu Atwell from Louisville. He was in the Bolitnikov conversation. He played very well this year. Cornell Powell. He's really just been coming off the tape out of nowhere recently. Towards the end of Clemson season, he's been playing very well. Uh, Dwayne Eskridge uh, from Western Michigan, a smaller school, but DaCosta spoke very well of him. He's very small and explosive. Someone who played running back in college, who was actually looking to make a transition to wide receiver, actually almost had some of the best route running in the entire senior bowl, Demetrius Felton from UCLA. Um, he plays very similar to Smith, but I thought it was very notable how great his route running was, and he just started making a transition to wide receiver. And Marquez Stevenson, he's from Houston. He's just a burner. That's all I have to say about Stevenson. So, obviously, the Ravens like to target people in the senior bowl. There's a lot of talented wide receivers. There's some guys who want to avoid. And we'll see what happens. Trust in DeCasa. Yep, trust in DeCasa. That's right. Uh, I have hope that um, this draft will be a a pretty good one for uh, DeCasa's, what, second draft? so he he's gone through a draft already. Uh, this draft is maybe a little less uncertain than uh, last year's draft was. Um, but with the combine, uh, hopefully, I think I read somewhere that the combine is going to be kind of spread out into different areas and times. Um, they're going to have to be on the top of their game. Uh, but the fact that we've gotten a, a senior bowl is definitely encouraging and hopefully um, uh, the NFL can figure out different ways for uh, teams to meet with certain prospects, uh, specifically the Ravens to see. Uh, and hopefully we can get some news on the draft. Uh, it's always my favorite time of the year uh, to see who the Ravens are meeting with and who they aren't. Something um, I think that's really cool about that personally this year, which you don't see very often, is transparency within the front office. DaCosta was, was giving us almost daily inside views about the prospects they're targeting. I mean, I thought that was really special. And also concerning the combine, over the past couple of days I've seen, it sounds like it's just not going to happen straight up. Everything's going to be based off your pro day. And speaking of last year, I spoke to a couple of agents. They said a lot of the evaluation process was filming, well, tape and filming um basically your pro day on your own, and then you send it to scouts. So that makes this whole process a whole lot difficult for DaCosta and really the whole league. So I'll see what happens. Yeah, let's just hope that the uh, NFL can figure out a uh, an easier maybe process uh, for teams to evaluate prospects uh, this year than what happened last year. Um, but 
Uh, with that being said, let's just wrap up this uh, Senior Bowl conversation, and I want to go into the Pro Bowl uh, conversation, which is probably not <laughs> not as important, uh, but it's still fun to talk about. It's fun to talk about. Um, I kind of want to ask you guys, uh, there there were a lot of snubs uh, this year for Pro Bowl, for the, for the Pro Bowl, for a lot of teams. Who do you think maybe uh, which Ravens got uh, hardcore snubbed uh, this year? I feel like the most obvious one would be like thinking Yannick over Judon. Um, but you could say Mark Andrews based, he had a pretty good season. Um, it's just that Mark, or I'm sorry, it's just that Travis Kelsey and, and Waller just that good. And, and yeah, they're really good, but, uh, ah, that's, that's all I can think of. I'm going to go one who might almost be too obvious, but also people wouldn't think about it that much. Lamar Jackson. When you look at what he did, obviously coming off the bench off of COVID and then coming back and he played at pretty much MVP level to finish out the season. I think he finished like top five in QBR. And he still had an incredible touchdown interception ratio this year. I think he still broke a thousand, right? I mean, that's a pro bowl season. It's, but is Lamar Jackson, and you see what he did last year, you're like, well, that's not the same season. But this, if this is his bad season, this, this is a bad season, I am very excited for the future. Yeah, I agree with that. I think if you if, if were calling Lamar Jackson, like, oh, this is such a, a horrible season, like, well, if this is a horrible season, I'll take this all the time. <laughs> like, he, like the, the hate that he gets is insane. Um, especially also when you consider that he got COVID in the middle of the season, he contracted the coronavirus and he still, after recovering, went off for like however many win streak when he came back and saved the Raven season, uh, very reminiscent of his rookie year. So if you want to still doubt Lamar Jackson, go ahead, but he's just going to continue to prove you wrong. Never missed the playoffs ever since drafting Jack, ever since drafting Jackson, so that, that's my ramble. Uh, that's my rant. I, I had to get it out there. I, I'm sick and tired of seeing this Lamar slander, but it's going to keep happening. So uh, doubt uh, at your own caution. Now going to my pick, though, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with uh, maybe somebody that may be a little bit more controversial, uh, J.K. Dobbins. Um, and the reason why I say J.K. Dobbins is I'm looking at the Pro Bowl roster, and I'm, I'm looking, and there's a running back that I don't think should be there, and it's it's uh, Josh Jacobs. If we're going to sit back and put Josh Jacobs in the Pro Bowl after all of the success that a lot of these AFC running backs have had, I think we can put J.K. Dobbins in the conversation. He led the league uh, with the highest yards per carry. Uh, six yards per carry is insane, um, given the amount of um, carries that he got, especially later in the season when they started kind of commit to him and Gus more instead of this running back by committee uh, nonsense that they had in the, early in the season uh, and he just looked explosive almost every game I think he deserved to go into the Pro Bowl if Jacobs can uh, maybe another guy um, who maybe is on the fence is Patrick Queen um, he had an explosive rookie season stat wise uh, two fumbles an interception and a touchdown so obviously um, he was a force to be reckoned with in the turnover game Um he could maybe clean up a little bit more of his game, but just stat-wise and how impactful he was in a lot of games, I think that it was worth putting him over some somebody else. 
but those are just my snubs. Uh, you guys uh, probably, you listeners probably have a lot more snubs that uh, you think the Ravens should have been in. And Andrew, I really liked your pick about Mark Andrews. Um, I think he, he's probably the one who got snubbed the hardest. Um, and with all these Pro Bowl snubs, um, who do you guys think uh, maybe next year in 2022, uh, who could maybe be a surprise Pro, Pro Bowl picker or breakout player uh that maybe the Ravens uh, might be happy to see go to the Pro Bowl. So I'm going to pick two players who, I said this a lot, they, they build up each other. They're complementary. What if J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards both make the Pro Bowl next year? We finally figured out how to use them. You do that for a full season. Maybe they both break it down. Maybe we have 3,000-yard rushers next year, and they both make the Pro Bowl. I don't think Dobbins is that big of a pick. Edwards might be a little bit more co- – like unreasonable, bold, but I think Dobbins for sure makes it next year. Yeah, I'd love to see Dobbins make it. Um, I feel like that's not as hot, hot of a take, but here's here's mine. Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown, because oh, that's interesting. if he plays like he did at the end of the season, the last four or five games, no, well, if he played like he did in the playoffs and the week 17 game, then I would not be surprised to see him in the pro Bowl because these last few games he had been playing physical as all hell. And, Oh, I just, I just love the way he was playing. He was, he was catching balls left and right. I don't, I don't think he dropped many, if I didn't, if at all. So I don't know. Yeah. I, it's like you see a different Marquise Brown in the playoffs. I really couldn't tell you why. It just looks like his attitude and his motor just completely changes in the postseason. Uh, you'll see a lot of times, I mean, given his small stature, he might want to try and avoid a hit. Uh, but what I in the regular season, you see that he kind of goes out of bounds a lot or maybe he gives himself up. Um, and I, 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 I allow that because he's has such a small frame that he could probably get hurt really easily. I don't want him to take any hits that he probably couldn't take, but when it comes to the playoffs, he just like, turns it on. Like he doesn't care what happens to his body. He just wants to get that extra yard. I, it's like a different Marquise Brown. Like I said, like I, I couldn't tell you, um, that's something you love to see, especially when it comes to the playoffs. I'd rather him turn it on in the playoffs than the regular season. Um, especially if you want to make a deep playoff run. Um, my pick, though, um, is a guy, uh, if you've been following my page ever since the 2017 draft, you'll know that I loved Deshaun Elliott. Um, I thought he would be a perfect or successor to Weddle, and then Weddle left really too early, and then Tony Jefferson left too early. We signed Earl Thomas, and then Earl Thomas left. So now it's finally Deshaun Elliott's time. Uh, and he played really well, especially uh, in the, the the late stretch of the season. Um, he kind of grew as the season continued into that rangy free safety type hybrid uh, that the Ravens missed early in the season from Earl Thomas. Um, I think it really benefited Deshaun to play under guys like Eric Weddle, Tony Jefferson, and Earl Thomas. We'll save the Earl Thomas slander for another day. But, you know, with Deshaun Elliott, uh, he, in college, had a nose for the football, caused a, or, uh, caused a lot of turnovers for the uh, opposing offense. And we're now seeing 
Deshaun Elliott grow into a veteran free safety who can play uh, deep downfield and uh, completely shut off any, any player going deep. And you still have this player who has the instincts of a, a great turnover uh, machine. Um, I'm not going to call him the next Ed Reed, but I wouldn't be surprised if he just completely breaks out next season. I'm putting all my chips in on uh, Deshaun Elliott making the Pro Bowl next year and uh, leading the Ravens to a deep playoff run. But with all this talk about the Pro Bowl, obviously the Ravens are looking uh, to a a different bowl a a week later. Going to talk about the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 55 this year is the Chiefs at the Buccaneers. Um, I'm kind of curious to to think, what are you guys' initial thoughts, reactions, and predictions on how this uh, Super Bowl uh, plays out? To be completely honest with you, I don't think anyone's beating Mahomes right now. I really don't. But at the same time, the Bucks, the Bucks are on fire. They just went and beat MVP Rogers. I thought honestly better than they would have. I thought I thought they were going to get smacked up there. But in terms of who I want to win, I really don't want to see Mahomes win again. I really don't. And I used to hate watching Brady win Super Bowls. I really did. But to see him leave New England, that's a really place place I really hated. And go still do it in Tampa Bay. He's got to respect greatness at that point. I just I just respect him so much at this point. It's like, go do it. I don't want to see Mahomes win again. Do it, Brady. Yeah, I agree with that, that Brady take. But I feel like the the week six matchup they had, um, until they finally managed to slow down Tyreek Hill, they were getting destroyed. But when they did slow down Tyreek Hill and they started coming back on them and Brady started working some magic, but they fell short. I feel like out of all the NFC teams, I think Brady and the Bucks have the best chance to dethrone them. Yeah, I, I agree. Andrew, if you can recall a couple of weeks ago, uh, we both decided to make our upset pick, the Buccaneers beating the Packers. And what a pick that turned out to be. <laughs> it, it happened. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, first off, I'm excited to see a pick went my way. Okay, if, <laughs> if you can, rec- if you can remember, uh, for the the wild card weekend, uh, every single pick that I made, I just completely lost. And I'm so glad I didn't pick the Ravens Titans game because if I had picked the Ravens, I don't know what would have happened. But, but um, I will say though, like it's. I never liked Brady until he left New England. And I couldn't tell you why. It's just he left New England and then all of a sudden I'm just impartial to him. Like, I don't, like, I didn't really care. And then he comes into the NFC and he doesn't dominate the NFC until the playoffs. And then that's what happens when you start doubting postseason Brady. He's still like 44, 45 years old. And he's like, He's like he's like an old man, and he's beating up on these teams, <laughs> like the Packers, um, de- like dethroning Rodgers in the uh, championship and uh, going to the Super Bowl in their home stadium. Um, if he's able to do that, win his first year in the NFC and his first year with a new coach and a completely different team, at that point, like Steven said, you just gotta respect greatness. And Mahomes is currently the biggest threat to Jackson's legacy. So I don't want to mean to prey on Mahomes' downfall, 
but if Mahomes doesn't win as many Super Bowls as he might have won if uh, the 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 Bucks lose, uh, it it might be harder to kind of cement Lamar Jackson's legacy, um, and keep it within reach of Mahomes versus Jackson. Uh, but you know, at, at that point, I, I really. I just want the Bucks to win. I don't. I don't want Reed or uh, Mahomes to repeat. That's just the last thing I want to see. <laughs> um, but with that, unless you guys have anything else you want to add, all right. So um, thank you guys for another episode of Inside the Bank, the official podcast of at the Ravens Hub on Instagram. As always, thank special thanks to my great co-host Stephen and Andrew. Um, Again, you can find our podcast on Anchor, which will direct you to all the different ways to listen to our podcast through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Be sure to follow at Inside the Bank on Instagram for updates and exclusive content regarding the podcast. Until next time on Inside the Bank, see you after the Super Bowl.